0: Friends Day, a podcast by the Mama Marketer. I am your host Olivia, and today I am meeting with my friend Crystal. So, Crystal,
1: tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I always say what what you do every day. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for having me on your podcast. This is exciting. <laughs> I've never been on a podcast before. Um, so, what I do every day is I'm the director of HR at my organization, which is the University of Kansas School of Medicine in Wichita, Kansas, and I have been there for almost eight and a half years. So They're, that's what I do every day. Very cool. And so people have pointed out that in most of my
0: contacts that I have on my show, I always end up saying I knew them from church. So yes, this is another contact that I know from my church. Yes, so, that's right. <laughs> we go to the same the same church and her husband's on staff there, so that's that's how we met. So before anyone asks, yes, we met at church. <laughs> most of my people are from my church. <laughs> Okay, so um, we have a couple of topics today that we want to talk about that we just already have in common and are really excited about. Um, so we want to start with talking about Enogram. Yes. So uh, for the record, I'm Enogram Six.
1: I am too. Yes. Yeah. We just, we're just a pair, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yes. So sixes. this is the second episode. Um, if you listen to my episode with Mariah and Aaron where we were talking about selling sunset, they are both sixes who live together, um, <laughs> which I just could not get over the fact. Um, and the thing with Aaron and Mariah that makes them work is that they wing
1: opposite. So I'm a six wing five. What's your wing? I have really not been able to decide because okay. sometimes I feel like I'm a six wing five. But I think as I've gotten older, it's really seeming more like the seven wing is coming right. out a lot more. Um, at least that's probably what my husband would say. So
0: <laughs> Yes. And I know that some people that have not been able to identify a wing actually end up having a really prominent subtype. So you might look into like subtypes because sometimes yeah. that could be... So I've seen people that just forego a wing or they're very even between their two wings, but their subtype is like stronger than their wing in some cases. So, um, that could be something to look into. I don't think I have a subtype. I think six and five is pretty strong for me. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that helps me know that I'm a five is I have a sister who is a five and I see a lot of behaviors in her that I also have. And so it's really helped me like identify my five tendencies. Um, whereas if I didn't have someone close to me that was a five, might be a little bit harder to pinpoint, you know? Right. Um, But yeah, okay, so maybe a six wing seven. Um, So yeah, okay, so tell me a little bit, I've done a blog post about how I found the Enogram, how I felt when I got my number, um, and then just kind of how I use it current day. Um, Everyone knows I keep a list on my phone of everyone if you if you even let your number slip one time to me I've got you recorded. (laughs) I've got you down I know what you are because if we ever have a disagreement or if we ever have anything come up in our lives I want to have that tool to help us navigate through it, you know Um, So tell us your Enneagram journey how you found it how you feel about being a six and how you use it current day
1: All right So I think my first exposure to Enneagram was actually through my husband. He's been working with a mentor for, I don't know, seven or 10 years it seems like. And so he took the Enneagram assessment and then he asked me to take it. And he turned out to be a one, I turned out to be a six. Later we took it again and took a different assessment version than the one we had already taken. And then he turned out to be a six and I turned out to be a one. Oh, so funny. I don't know. I don't really uh, identify as much with a one as I do with a six. I can see some of it, um, but I'm definitely uh, agreeing with six. And I think probably the most striking thing about reading about my results and how the Enneagram explains who who I am, is that idea of security. Mm. Um, I didn't see that reflected in any of the other assessments that I've ever taken. So I think that was a really big deal for the Enneagram for me was, oh, the security thing. Like, yes, that explains so much. And I can tie back so many of the things that I do and why I do things and why I feel the way I feel. All the way back to that security mm. thing. So for me, um, that was probably the most important part of my enneagram journey was just having that that piece to really fill in and help me understand more about myself, and then to really help explain, you know, why am I doing things a certain way? Why can't I seem to get away from that? Right. And really, that security piece was was really big for me. So, um, so I guess more about me might be helpful. One of the other things that I do in my role. Um, in HR is to act as a strengths coach. So if you're familiar with the Gallup StrengthsFinder, I'm a certified coach. So I really appreciate the personality assessments. Um, You know, Olivia and I were talking before the podcast started about the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs. We obviously talk about Enneagram. Um, I'm really into the strengths uh, profile as well. Um, I've done the DISC assessment. I've done the four colors. I, I don't know. You name it, I've probably done it. Yep. (laughs) Um, I just discovered a new one called Working Genius. But for me, I really enjoy all of those things so much because it really helps me understand myself and it really helps me understand other people. So the way that I use the Enneagram specifically in everyday life is to really help not to type people or put them in a box, of course, but to go, oh, that's how you are. Okay, so what you're doing makes more sense to me and why you're doing it makes more sense, and now I know better how to relate with you and what's really going to get you excited or what's gonna frustrate you, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's probably the best way to explain how I use it every day is really just to interact with people in a more effective way, whether it's communication or You know, how does this person need to be developed um, if it's an employee situation or, you know, what is this person looking for in terms of friendship? You know, so that's what I really appreciate about it is it just really helps me to understand. And when I understand, then I go, oh, now I know what to do. Yeah. And I feel that makes me more effective both as a professional, as a friend, you know, as a wife, as a mother. So,
0: yeah. Okay, so a couple of interesting things that you said. So one thing, um, when I was Accepting my sixness when I was Uh really, because I notoriously did not like it. I read it and I was like, oh, no one wants to be friends with the six. This cannot be me. This sounds horrible. (laughs) But then everyone around me lovingly was like, no, that's totally you. It's okay. We love you, but that is you, like good, bad, or otherwise. And so when I started, a way that I started trying to confirm that that was a six was I started looking at like things that happened to me in the past. Yes. And I looked at the way I reacted to them. And that's how I was able to be like, oh, you know, because you think of security. I think some people would think of security as like money in the bank, job mm-hmm. title, spouse maybe. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a little bit less tangible than that. Like There was like so many situations where like even just a partnership fell apart or just oh, little okay. things. And yeah. so I would look at things that happened in the past and the way I reacted and that was like a filter. And so yeah, I was able to pinpoint like, no, this was the root of the thing, whether it was good or bad. Like, yes. So it was interesting to look back on past things and then now you can I can use it as a tool for okay I can react a couple of different ways how right. would I like this to play out type of thing so yeah I thought that was really cool um, and then okay so correct me if I'm wrong with the because you reminded me of something when you're talking about the um, strengths finder assessment yeah. I read in a parenting book that they have a teen version they of do. the strengths finder yeah. and so I'm wondering if you have done it cuz you she has a, a daughter about the same age as us uh, 13 ish right yeah um, she's
1: 14 almost 14 and a half now okay so I'm
0: I'm wondering I have had my kiddo take the Enogram um, but I'm wondering if you have used the StrengthsFinder with your teen and how it how it worked I did
1: so according to the assessment you know fine print if you will um, they uh, recommend you take it no earlier than age 10 okay so actually i had lauren our daughter do it when she was 10 nice. uh, she hasn't done it again so maybe it was changed since then um, but she turned out to be dependable organized and caring because the one for teens has a different set of words that are your results versus the adult version which is you know there are 34 different themes um i don't recall how many there are for the kids but hers were dependable organized and caring and since you know i like to spot patterns and stuff and i have a weird sense of humor that of course she doesn't care for (laughs) it spells doc so i told her she was my little doc. oh how cute (laughs) but she is she i mean she's dependable not maybe so much now as a teen Um, she's not as organized um, as she used to be but when she was little you know she would like find something at the store that wasn't on the right shelf and she would go put it away. Oh my gosh. Adorable. But she has always been caring, especially with her friends. Maybe not so much with me now, but with her <laughs> friends she is always making art for them mm-hmm. or she wants to buy them a gift. She's very attuned to her friends. That's um, really cool. So yeah. So yeah, that's a it's a good assessment to take. Um you can go to Gallup website and and find that i'm sure yeah
0: because i know with the enneagram they they caution against taking it too early i only Mm -hmm. took it because our family counselor was like sean's mature enough that i think it would be okay but with the caveat of it might not apply in a few years their emotions are very strong right Right. now so it could they could you know change Mm -hmm. answers potentially and so i've just heard really good things about the Strengths finder for teens so
1: you suggest taking it and you feel like it helped okay i think so yeah and lauren did take the enneagram i think Maybe Norm talked her into it, my husband. Um, and she is a five. Okay. And I think having talked to one of your sisters, Olivia, I would agree at the moment she's a five. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, that introvertness is yes. definitely real. Um, and it, it rears its head sometimes. Like we have looked back at disagreements that I've had with my sister that's a five, or just mm-hmm. like we have funny little family things that happen. And usually it's because, oh, well, Sarah did a lot that day with us. Yes. Like we went to all the places, yeah. and then that evening, and she had a moment. out, right? Exactly. That's and what so, Lauren says, she yes.
1: peopled out.
0: Yeah, and the, the thing about filling your tank with like your quiet time is so real. Like yes. she does, and I'm a little bit like that too. Like I sometimes have to just like fill my tank for something that like mm-hmm. only I am into. I deal with like right. boys and farming in school all day sometimes I just need to like watch a
1: reality TV show and like I'll be
0: okay at the end of it but I just need to like not think about yeah
1: and you know what that's such a good point I'm glad you said that because I feel like as a mom you know not that all moms are sixes or all moms are like us of course but you know I think we really need to give ourselves permission to take advantage of those times because that's what we need, you right. know. It's not selfish for us to take a little bit of time for ourselves. We're not shirking our responsibilities to our family when we do that. Okay. We're really making sure that we're staying healthy. Um, because I think it's so easy to slip into a place of unhealthiness.
0: Right. Yeah. And two, that time can look different. Like there are some times where I very much need to just like be alone in my room. Yeah. But there's other times where I like need to go serve. I need to go do something. Oh yeah. I need to go like serve at church or like just create right. something. Yeah. And so sometimes it doesn't necessarily look like um, a bubble bath
1: with a glass of wine. sometimes right. it
0: looks a little bit different, right. but that's still fueling me. Yes. you know so um, I agree. So, yeah, yeah sometimes
1: you need that sense of accomplishment yeah um, or that sense of like you said serving you know doing yeah. something that's very others focused instead of me focused. So yeah, I would encourage all of you who are moms out there or have yeah. any kind of caregiving responsibilities for others you know, don't forget to take care of yourself. Yeah. Especially in today's
0: climate where they might Mm. be around 24 seven. Um, which we were like that anyways, beforehand, like we already worked from home and schooled from home. But for a lot of people, this is really like going to the office and seeing people Mm -hmm. and taking care of people, even just getting dressed up for the office. Like I used to really enjoy that. Um, when I worked corporate, that's been taken away from so many people. So don't be afraid to like find, what that refuel moment looks like for you and, and, and take the schedule it. I just read a quote the other day that was talking about time and it was saying how we never find time. You have to make the time. Right. You have to be intentional and prioritize it. So like you might not find time to read your Bible, mm-hmm. um, but you have to be intentional, you have to just make it. Right. So um, it yep. might be awkward at first, but it's definitely important. Um, okay, so the last question I wanna ask you about Enneagram, um, how is it being married to a one? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, And I only ask this because I'm reading, I'm audible reading um, Becoming Us right now. So I'm just super interested in not only all relationships, but specifically marriages and how the Enneagram makes them tick.
1: Yeah. So um, I mentioned earlier that we had taken the assessment a second time and that second version kind of yielded the flip-flop results. Um, I think that that has an impact on on our relationship uh, because I do see some of the you know because the classic thing for six is the fear you know I do see some of that in my husband um, and I do see some of the one in myself um, but he's not the classic planner mm, so okay. in our relationship you know I'm the one who's the planner um, and so I think I if you looked at it on paper you would say oh a one in a six you know They're the same in those areas. Well, they're really not in ours. (laughs) Um, So I think he does all his planning and all that stuff at work. Mm. And then when he comes home, he's sort of done with that. That hat is off. (laughs) Yes, I think think that's how it is. Um, But, you know, we have a lot of the same values. You know, we want things to be a certain way. And Mm. I think that's probably something that ones and sixes have in common is... There's just this sense of like right and wrong. Right. And things have to be a certain way. And while we may come from different motivations. Uh, so we were actually talking yesterday over lunch about um, getting things done. Mm-hmm. And he has this, you know, I want to get things done so I can check it off the list. Mm-hmm. It needs to be accomplished. right? And for me, I don't necessarily need the list to be complete for its own sake. right? I want it to just be cleaned up so there's not a mess and I want to focus on the things that are um, necessary because of what might happen you know so again the worst case scenario planner part of a six that part of me is what's really motivated to get something done but if I don't really find that it's important I go well you know I don't really have to worry about having four extra sets of towels this weekend just in case just in case (laughs) so I don't really care about washing the towels yeah now in my husband's case he would see wash towels on the to-do list and he would want to get that done so for me it's just more about I just need things to be ready if they need to be and if they don't really need to be I can let it go he sort of has the idea of well, it's on the list, it needs to it get to done. done, let's get story. it off the list. right? <laughs> so we have different motivations. We generally arrive at the same outcomes, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, I think that's just a little really bit cool. about what it's like. So
0: Yeah, it's so cool,
1: um, the concept of becoming us, because it really
0: is letting you see the beauty in every relationship. Like There are some couples where I'm like, and this is an uh, admi- admission I'm making, yes. but there are some <laughs> times where I see a couple and I'm like, I could never. Mm. Could never be that wife, could never be that mom, which is totally judgmental and wrong, but through Becoming Us and through Enneagram and talking to people about how theirs work together, because the numbers are so so unique, the mm-hmm. couples are so unique out of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really taken on a... I don't know. It's just a cool to hear what works in other yeah. folks. Um, uh, so I had a suspicion that Norm was a really good partner for you, not just because you guys are married, but because <laughs> I, I'm a six, and so that like fear thing is mm-hmm. is is big. And um, I reference Norm gave a sermon about the fear of man one time. Yeah. And I still go back and listen to that when I'm like having like a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell my fellow sixes or anyone that just speaks into existence that they do have that fear of like right. Uh, Just everything he talks about in that sermon, fear of, you know, the appearance of things or the accomplishment of things, like just... The fear of the world judging you and stuff. So, uh, that's one of my favorite sermons. And I remember I was like late to service that day or my family had gone to early service and I came to second or was serving yeah. or something. And in passing, like four people were like, you ne- you're going to like this one. Oh. <laughs> you need to listen to this one. And to the point where I was kind of mad. Like when I saw where it was going, I got in there and I was like, these people, <laughs> these people and their judgments that I need to hear right. this fear of man. But then I listened to it and I've listened to it mm-hmm. like twice that week, I think. And I still reference it and send people there. So, I'll link to it. Actually, it's probably already linked in my Instagram bio, if I had to guess. Um, but I'll send that to you guys. But it is, yeah. uh, like, it's so cool that uh, th- that being a big fear for me as a 6 and you as a 6, it's in there somewhere. And so it's just cool that he catered to that. And, like, yeah. I can only imagine how good of a support he is
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think early on this year, you know, because, of course, COVID is sort of top of everybody's mind. You know, I, I maybe after the first two weeks or so, you know, right when the stay-at-home orders started and all that kind of thing, I was really having trouble dealing with everything because the security that I need as a six and sort of that, that locus of control that you want to keep in your life, I just was sort of having a really hard time dealing with that and that's where I think maybe the more objective, rational, less emotional mm-hmm. side of the one really came out in him yeah. because he wasn't worried about things the way that I was. Right. You know, I was going to worst-case scenario planning and yeah. kind of extrapolating, going, oh my gosh, this is what's going to happen, and ah. Yes. And I, so I think back to your question about, you know, how does it look in our marriage? I think a lot of times he helps keep me grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, my my feelings get validated, and he will say, you know, whatever. You know, I That's understand you feel happened. that yeah. way. <laughs> but... If he doesn't also feel that way, that kind of helps me go, you know, some of this is really just me and how I'm choosing to look at the situation. Um, And so I think while, you know, we are similar in a lot of areas, so we don't clash a whole lot, um, those small differences, I think, just really help keep us balanced and and together. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I just
1: wanted to share that.
0: Yeah. And too, I think a lot of the things like when you were talking about the list and and, and the towels and that type of thing, I think anyone listening, I think this is actually just an example of a really healthy six. Um, So I think it sounds, it very much to me sounds like you're in health in that like, Yes, we could need extra towels. Yes. But that doesn't justify me washing every single towel right. in the house for the next two days. Um, right. so yeah, I, t- I always give the example of like when your husband brings people home from t- for dinner and mm-hmm. surprises you. There like mm-hmm. used to be a time where like unannounced guests and all that type of thing used to super stress me out. But mm. now I have an emergency meal I just keep in the back of the, oh, ga- okay. of, of the pantry. And if that happens, yeah. I whip that up and I just I don't <laughs> have to give breathe give it life and take over, like, what if
1: this happens every day? Oh, see, that's perfect. (laughs) There you go. Norm would never do that. He doesn't like surprises. He would never spring uninvited guests on me. So I can sit secure knowing that I never have to be prepared for that possible scenario. (laughs) I always tell my friends, like,
0: as much as I want to be the person that's like, come by any time. If you want me to have real
1: pants on and, like, a bra, then Um, you need to
0: give me a few minutes heads up. Yes. (laughs) We have had...
1: We have had the same person, who will remain unnamed, come by our house on two different occasions, several years apart, in fact, and incidentally, unannounced, both times, I was not um, presentable, Yes, and the one time they stopped by the most recently, they said, oh, I was just going to come right on in, (laughs) but we keep our doors locked because we care about safety, and I am so glad because I was not presentable in the least and I don't need that happening in my life. So, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, you're you're totally welcome, but you got to you got to give us a heads up if right. you expect don't just drop by my house. Yes.
0: Yeah, we saw a commercial one time that was talking about door pants. And it was this concept. It was a goofy, made up product, but it was like having <laughs> pants by the door. Oh yeah! Just in case someone comes, you can put your pants yeah. on real quick. And everyone in my family was like, "Oh, door pants!" Like we like legit. <laughs> thought that was a real idea. We thought it was a good idea, and then we were like, "Oh, they're making fun. This commercial is making fun of people." Like us. Like, anyways, so really funny. Um, Okay, well, thank you for sharing about you and your spouse and your daughter and your family and just kind of how it ticks um, and how Enneagram can help us with that. Um, So, I know you talked a little bit about Myers in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of told us what it is. I'm curious because you have used them both in your career, in your professional role. And so, I'm just curious to you, so many people will ask me like, what is Enneagram? Is it another one of those personality tests type of things?" So I'm just curious to you, someone who has used, I've done Myers, but I was telling her earlier, I don't fully remember my results. I couldn't tell you as much about it as I could about Enneagram. So I'm just curious from your perspective, how do they compare? How
1: do they contrast? Um, Yeah, so I would say that probably recently I've reengaged with the Myers briggs I think I was in a discussion with a friend and they were asking me what my type was. And I said, oh, I think it's INFJ. And so I took the assessment again, probably just some free online one. I don't remember which one it was. And that's what it it gave for me. And I really identified with a lot of the stuff that it had to say. So um, I think what I found most recently that was interesting about both of them was that the Myers-Briggs really focuses on how you perceive information and then the criteria that you use to prioritize making decisions. So you're either perceiving information through intuition or through what you can see and touch. They call it sensation. And then the, pr- the criteria by which you prioritize making decisions is either thinking, so you're using logic and your brain and things like that or feelings, which might also include Ooh. your values and ethics and things like that.
0: So just like how with Enneagram, we, we have numbers that are thinking centers yeah. and numbers that are feeling centers. Yes. Okay, so I, okay, that makes right. sense.
1: Right, so Enneagram then by contrast is really adding in some more of that deeper personal stuff, like childhood wounds, mm. um, what basic fears you have, you know, and what your driving desires are, kind of what you run away from and Mm -hmm. what you run towards. So I think a neogram is really going to help you understand some of those deeper things where the Myers-Briggs is going to tell you you know just how, how do you perceive things and how do you make decisions and not necessarily get so much into the emotional stuff but there's a ton of resources out there about both myers-briggs and the enneagram and you'll find you know a lot of, of blogs and authors are writing all sorts of things about it um, i usually go with ones that i read it and i say yes i've seen things like this before mm. um, If I haven't seen something like it before, I will look to validate whether or not that's true. So, for example, if I find a post and it's about Myers Briggs type ENFJ, I might think of someone I know who's Mm. that type. Gotcha. Look at what the blog is saying about that type and then go, Do I think that's true for that person? Yeah, I think it is. Or, Yeah oh, that sounds nothing like them. Maybe this author doesn't know what they're talking about. I don't know. Um, But I try to just really collect as much knowledge as I can about these things. I wish I could memorize it all. So I really rely on Pinterest to help me keep all those things um, organized. But I think that's really the main difference is you know, one of them is how do I see the world and how do I make decisions? And the other one really gets more into who you are as a person and what's really shaped you. Um, But I do think that there are... Similarities in the sense that both of both of the assessment types can help you understand well what's important to you,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: what's important to that other person. Of right. course, if you're talking about someone else.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like they'd be a really good actual complement to each other because yeah. one is the the way that you are, why you do the things that you do, and the mm-hmm. and the other one, and, and Enneagram is just like if you're ready to go to that deeper level right. on why I behave a certain way. Right. You can unpack some things. So it right. sounds like the two could work really well yeah together um so that is really interesting okay yeah. now i'm like i gotta go take <laughs> my myers and yeah. figure out what i
1: am so the infj also invo- enjoys solitude so mm. you know really being that introverted type person um wanting a small group of friends that's something that really resonated with me um kind of that quality over quantity yes type of yeah yes another interesting thing which i don't know that i see this reflected in the enneagram so i think this is something unique that the Myers-Briggs typing can offer, the INFJ, my type, tends to idealize people. Ah. And when I read that, I thought, you know what, that's right. Because if I meet someone for the first time and I really like them, I really focus on all the positives about them, mm. even if that's not the full picture Got it. Of, of what that person is or what they have to offer. Um, An INFJ is also concerned about other people's needs, which I mm. think is is something that I really focus on as well. Um, We do tend to worry a lot and take things personally. And so (laughs) that's where I think being a six and being an INFJ are very similar. Um, I do express my feelings more readily than maybe some of the other types do, because really I want to be known by somebody else. Mm-hmm. I do have to trust you. I'm not just gonna right. open up to just anybody. Um, but that's one thing about the INFJ. Um,
0: that is, that's interesting, because there are times with me, there are certain emotions I am not afraid to make sure the other person understands immediately. Yeah. But man, when we get into some like when, like bigger, deeper issues, like sometimes with my husband, yes. there will be times where he just wants to talk it out, and I'm like, can I journal for a minute? Like, right. can I have a moment right. to process? Because sometimes, sometimes my initial, what will blurt out, mm-hmm. doesn't truly match the feeling right. that I'm having. And right. I can, tr- sometimes, you know those fights that have layers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I can add a layer to a fight that doesn't need to be there. If I could right. just like have a few minutes to like come up with the right things yes. to match the emotion. Yes. So yeah, that's super interesting about like, You know, they say wear your heart on your sleeve, which Mm -hmm. I think is easy when it's a heart emoji. Right. (laughs) But some of those other ones, like,
1: I do need a minute to properly say them. Right. And I would agree with that for myself because sometimes it's not that I don't know what I'm feeling. I just need time to really sort through what are all the different things that I'm feeling, which one is the strongest, and which one's really leading right now. Right. Because I might otherwise tell you something that really was only 5% of the real issue. And if I would have had time to analyze and evaluate it, I would have realized, actually, that wasn't the thing that made me upset. It was really this other thing instead. But I can't come up with that stuff yeah. in the moment, which is very frustrating for me. And it makes me want to yeah. exit the conflict or yeah. whatever is happening at the moment. And
0: it is a it is a trust thing too. I read something recently that said that Enneagram 6 is really concerned with authenticity. Yes. And there's like a couple of people around me that just for the life of me, I haven't been able to crack. And it comes back to, I don't ever think I'm getting the authentic version of them. Right. So here I am in this like... Loop, yeah, trying to crack it, but knowing or feeling that it's not sincere, mm-hmm. and how do we ever get to this next level? Right. And so, yeah, I think it's that trust factor where to for, for me to be authentic mm-hmm. with that, like, really complicated feeling, I have to right. know. Or have to feel like I'm going to get it back from you. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, there's definitely a reciprocity that I look for yeah. in, you know, whether it's a friendship or some other kind of important relationship. It's like, I really need to know that you are invested in this the same as I am. Right. Because otherwise, I don't want to bother. Right. You know, and that that's where it feels a little cold. Yeah. And I probably would never actually verbalize that to somebody. <laughs> but, you know, there have been people that I've attempted to make a connection with, and there really just isn't that same Level of interest returned to me or at least I perceive that it's not and so I just stopped trying because it's like yeah. well You know that's that's fine. Yeah I don't want a large collection of people Yeah, anyway, because I can't manage that many people yes. and I I've can't had to... treat you right and and have too many people but you know if I'm not getting that back from right. someone else it's really difficult to keep investing at that same level as you would with someone who's yeah. giving that same back and you go, oh, wonderful. I really feel like we understand each other. I really feel like we genuinely care, care about each other and want to spend time together.
0: Yeah. And I've had to accept that there are sometimes just people that are like, hi, how are you? Nice yeah. to see you, like yeah. Sunday morning. You know what I mean? I've had to, as much as I want to bring everyone in closer, mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't always work out. I right. couldn't truly manage that if I had right. that many people inner circle type thing. And so, yeah. I've had to really learn as an adult. Like, there are the friends that just say we'll get together sometime, but, like, mm-hmm. truly our schedules just never mm-hmm. match up, and it doesn't. So, yeah, it's an awkward place to be. Um, and I know there's a, there's a number. I can't remember what it is, but my friend Courtney has spoke on being this number about how she – cannot stand small talk, and cannot stand those type of, types of relationships, um, I'm blanking on what it is, so I know that is that's... it nine? It might, it might be. It kind of sounds um, like
1: nine. Yeah, uh,
0: so it's interesting, because that's just, that would not be an option to them, it would just right. be, like you said, like cold, cut off, that's just not, if we're not going to go there, then what's the point? Right. I've had to learn to kind of accept it in certain people, and accept that for what it is, but... Um, but yeah, super interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the kind of the last thing that I wanted to talk about okay. is a little bit more about your role working in human resources. Yeah. So um, I'm assuming, we've kind of already talked about how you definitely use Enneagram and Myers in that yeah. role. Um, so I'm just curious to know, um, there are some things going on these days that we you probably didn't prepare for in school. You right. probably didn't prepare for a global pandemic. you nope. we, were, we were talking earlier about all of the... Um, Gender, not confusion, but the gender roles that are happening today. That probably wasn't, yeah, gender identity. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, you probably didn't learn about that in school when you were preparing to have this role. So I'm just curious what the current climate, especially COVID, um, because that's one that I've been thinking about since we planned to have this. Like, what does it look like for her? But then also the gender identity. How, how have these very real, very current things? How do they affect your role? Because I don't yeah. think people realize. We know about the nurses and the teachers and the moms. Mm-hmm. Like we, we kind of know how this is all affecting them. But I think yours is a role that is affected. My prediction is. I could be wrong, y'all. My prediction <laughs> is yours is a role that is affected by it. But it's just not something people are thinking about asking. Sure. And so yeah. I'm curious. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, where to two start? very heavy <laughs> things. Yes. <laughs> uh, so first of all, um, in my organization, being a medical school, is obviously in the industry of higher ed. Um, higher ed is ten tends to be a lot more progressive um, in terms of initiatives and things like that. Not that they have it all solved. Don't hear me say that. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of attention around the issues of diversity and inclusion right now in our organization and across higher ed in general. And then obviously everyone is affected by the pandemic. Mm. Um, so I think probably the best way to explain, and maybe I'll start with uh, the pandemic part first. Um, there, As an HR person, there's always a, a balance, not in the sense of I have to serve both, but almost like cart before the horse mm. kind of balance when it comes to what do we have to do as an organization to treat our employees the right way, that we comply with the law, mm. but we also do the right thing. So for example, um, the CARES Act authorized certain organizations, including ours, to provide a, up to two weeks of paid leave wow. for COVID-related situations absolutely the right thing to do right Mm -hmm. um hopefully every organization (laughs) is able to do something for their employees but by law organizations like mine have to do something like that but obviously you know the two weeks of pay is not necessarily sufficient if you get COVID yourself and you're out for two weeks you had the paid leave but what if someone else in your family gets Mm -hmm. sick and then what about somebody else and you know so sometimes the right thing to do or what you might want to do for people isn't covered by the law mm-hmm. or sometimes it's difficult to comply with the law because of the impact it has mm-hmm. um, so i think as an hr person you're constantly trying to navigate this cart before the horse thing about what do we do that's the right thing for our people that we are able to do because certainly if you're a small business out there you don't necessarily yeah. have the revenue right to do the right thing all the time you know um and then you know when it gets into like the gender identity things You know, there are not a lot of national laws yet that protect Mm. certain aspects of identity, um, but some that do or some that probably will in the future. But as an organization, you know, our university has chosen to basically consider all of it protected. Mm. So you're constantly trying to stay on top of the law. What are we required to do? What's the minimum? Because I certainly don't want to get sued, but I also have to add in, well, what's the right thing to do? Right. And then if you add in the, the components of, well, what does our organization actually support? Mm-hmm. What are current leaders willing to do? Some current leaders are progressive and they want to do a lot of stuff. Other ones, not so much. Mm-hmm. So it's this really interesting mix of you know a good HR person always wants to treat the, the employees appropriately um, and not just make it about these are the rules and you have to follow the rules and we're not required by law to do that. You know, that's not the approach that I've taken. Um, but sometimes there's a limit to what you can do to support people. Yeah. You know, in the end, there may not be anything else that you can do. So back to COVID, I can give you two weeks of leave and that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have anything else to give you other than your current leave balances. So yeah. um, that oh was kind of a long no, explanation, that's... but there's, there's just a lot, of, a lot of things that go into it. Yeah. And for me, I'm always focused on what's that final outcome? How is the employee gonna feel? Mm-hmm. You know, I discovered earlier this week that with that two weeks of leave um, scenario, there were certain like fine print details Mm. and because they're sort of there in the fine print, you kind of gloss over them and you don't really highlight those things to employees and then I realized, oh no. This makes a difference. That actually made a difference for this person. It didn't for everyone else, but this one person impacted them differently. So I had to go back. And explain mm. it, and I'm so sorry. You know, we didn't point this out in the first place. Yeah, it was there in the information, but who reads everything yeah. that they're given? <laughs> no one. Um, you know, so it's it's that constantly trying to treat people right and make sure they have everything that they need, um, comply with the law was just changing all the time. Yes, um, and still actually, you know, run your organization. Yeah. So it can be very challenging sometimes.
0: Oh my gosh, I think I got stressed out just putting myself in your (laughs) shoes because you have to follow the law you want to look out for I've been a small business owner before you want to look out for their bottom line even though that's not technically your job you can't just give everyone all the things right um you have this employee that you're trying to care for lots Mm. of employees in your Mm -hmm. organization probably that you're caring for and then like my fear of man like alarm was going off, like you probably still have people, you sound very compassionate. Like I would take any feedback from you, right? Uh-huh. Because like you, even if you're giving me like, oh, sorry, you're fired. Cause you oh. caught, <laughs> you, you gave the whole company COVID. We can't pay for that. You know, right. if you were giving me the worst HR news, it sounds like it would come across very compassionate. And so, but even that though, like you probably still have people that aren't happy oh, with absolutely. a decision or right. something that you've done. And it's almost like you are kind of the scapegoat. Like for the laws that get passed down, it can the be, rules yeah. that get pass, passed down from your superiors, you're yeah. the one that actually has to look the end line employee in the face and say like, we're right. not going to cover that or right. this was an issue. Like that sounds incredibly stressful. It <laughs> is.
1: It, and you know, um, one of the things that I have to do to kind of stay in that healthy place is to keep myself from ex- accepting too much responsibility. Right you know so that was actually a a great example that you just gave for the law that i was just referring to about the two weeks of leave um, one of the reasons you can take this leave is if you have a school or daycare closure Ah. due to covid for a child Mm. not an adult Uh. a child we have one employee who has an adult for whom she's the caregiver Mm. and at a certain point the adult day service closed Mm. due to covid and she wanted her two weeks of leave and i had to inform her i'm very sorry but that doesn't apply yeah so sometimes yeah you do feel like i mean you have to be the bad guy but you feel like you are a bad guy yeah when in reality
0: you're just the middle right you You say
1: this is what it provides for and unfortunately your situation doesn't provide for it now there was a different um, there's a different law that applied to her situation. It just didn't allow for paid leave. Mm. Um, so in her case, the Family Medical Leave Act right. covered her situation. It's not like she wasn't allowed to take any kind of leave. She just wasn't getting you know, the free COVID right. leave for two weeks. But you're right, You know, people are looking at you and they're mad at you. Right. Um, so sometimes it's hard to not take that personally. Sometimes it's hard to not accept all that responsibility. Yeah. I would internalize. Um, I would internalize that. Right. For sure. It's very difficult. And you know that employee wasn't happy, and she had some nasty things to mm-hmm. say, and acted as if I authored the law myself. And right. It's like, well, <laughs> I didn't. Um, you may write your congressman if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know, and, and my personal brand of HR is to really take care of people mm-hmm. as best as possible, inform you about all the rules and all the laws and all the things that you can do. But at a certain point, you know, you can't just have everything. Right. And so yeah. you know, trying to convey that in a compassionate way towards people yeah. can sometimes be difficult.
0: So we, ju- I just got a phone call before we started recording that yeah. a family member of mine was exposed to COVID and they basically oh, had yeah. to cancel all of the Thanksgivings and there's multiple adults that will have to tell their bosses what's going on in the next couple right. of days. So speaking to those people or anyone listening that, works at a company that has an HR, or even like I know businesses that can't afford an HR department, but there is very much someone that's taking on the HR role. When I had a business, it was me. I had to do payroll, Mm -hmm. I had to do HR, I had Mm -hmm. to do background checks. I also had to deal with like client work every day. So regardless of the size of the company, as an HR professional and the current climate, what is something you would want them to know? Like to my family members that are about to have to go tell their bosses, I was probably exposed, yeah. like what is something that you would want that person to know before coming into your office and having to give you some news like that? Oh
1: my goodness, <laughs> what a <laughs> big question. Um, I, probably the best thing I can say is that not everything applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, So I mentioned the two weeks of leave, that's part of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. It doesn't apply to literally every employer. Mm. But sometimes people hear about things in the news Ah. and they go, hey, hey, I heard about that two week leave thing. I was listening to a podcast from this lady (laughs) named Olivia and they mentioned there's leave and I should have leave. So I guess what I would encourage an individual employee to do is if you're gonna go in to whoever it is, your management, the HR department, whoever it is, if you think that you're entitled to something, do a little bit of research first, find out if that applies to you because otherwise you'll go in possibly with the wrong expectation or you won't know the right questions to ask Mm. and you know frankly not every manager is very well informed many of them are poorly informed Mm. Um, that's why we have so many lawsuits sometimes because (laughs) they didn't know and they got them their companies in trouble but you know if you're gonna go in and say hey I need leave it would be a good idea to do a little bit of research figure out do they have to do anything for me? If I think that they do, am I sure that my company is one of the companies that has to do something like that? Um, You know, I had an employee email us yesterday. She saw something in the CARES Act about tuition reimbursement. And she Mm -hmm. said, well, I want to sign up for that because that would really help me. Well, we don't actually have that at our organization. Mm -hmm. It's just not something that we have elected to do. So sometimes people hear about laws, and they go, oh, yeah, they can do this, they have to do that, they're not allowed to do these yep. things, make sure it applies to you because not every law or yeah. or rule or whatever applies to everyone. And people just get upset yep. and they get confused and they're yep. disappointed and they say, well, I thought I could have whatever, whatever. But had
0: that girl had done her research, she would have one, maybe just not have come to see you, could have saved everyone some time. Or two, maybe if she had an outstanding case Mm -hmm, that she really mm -hmm. needed to make to you, she would have been a little bit more well informed. And as we always say on this show, part of the reason I started this show is because I feel like you can't really trust the media. Spoiler alert. And so I like to hear from people in different places than me, in different roles than me, and what the truth is. And so, yeah, like, for instance, I don't think I realized that CARES Act isn't for every business. I knew there were some businesses that just Plum couldn't do two weeks because they don't have the money. Right. Um, But it's, it's interesting now that, like, yeah, I totally, yeah. If I were, not that I have a boss that I'd be reporting to, I think my husband would give me two weeks off from teaching the kids if I got Corona, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But for, so yeah, that's really good advice. Like do your research specific to your, your size of company
1: or industry
0: to see what applies to you and what doesn't. Right, Because a lot
1: of them are tied to the size of the company um, or the, whether it's public or private and, and by public, I mean not like. Certainly, on the stock market, but you know, like a public employer like the state or federal government or something, sometimes things don't apply to federal employees that would apply to Mm. everyone else. So, you really have to be very precise about what's the law that I'm talking about, who does it apply to, and who does it not apply to. And then, on the flip side of that, not just trying to figure out, oh, is this going to apply to me, but does my management even know about this? Because yes, yeah. a lot of times they don't. You yeah. know, I was talking to a friend and they were saying something about a personal situation. And I said, well, you know that qualifies for family medical leave. And mm. they indicated that their supervisor yeah. had told them they weren't gonna be able to take leave. And I was like, well, no, that's family medical leave. They can't deny yeah. that for you. If you qualify and you're eligible, yeah. they can't deny that so really sometimes it's it's also equipping yourself to know mm. what your own rights are yeah. um, not just what your rights are not <laughs> yeah and I think it's okay what to, you're give, entitled to
0: yeah I think it's okay to give your HR person some grace I'm not just saying that because Crystal's my friend I mean you just heard her say how quickly the laws are changing right so if you go into a meeting and someone isn't aware of a thing it's okay to be like why right. don't you? look into that and I'll come back at another time and we can discuss like if they're completely just floored and don't know what you're talking about. I think it's okay to give them time to look into it um, rather than bang down the door and demand at that moment. Yeah.
1: There are so many, and I keep saying laws, maybe laws isn't always the right word, but there are so many laws and rules about everything. You know, you can't possibly know all of it off the top of your head as, as an HR person. Um, Last year at the end of the year, um, I was trying to assist one of our employees with their retirement contributions. and they are employed by another employer as well, mm. they're employed by us in a part-time capacity. and we were trying to answer the question, how much money can you contribute by the end of the year? Yeah. It came down to the afternoon on December 31st. Oh gosh, <laughs> before we finally were confident and nailed down the answer that yes, he could in fact contribute mm. more to his retirement contribution or his retirement account to the tune of about $10,000. Wow. So it was really important that yes. we answered this question, but you know, it took a lot of research. Yep. Um, and so again, if you go in and ask your company, you know, about the answer to such and such a question, you know, do a little bit of research yourself, try to get some context about, you know, am I even asking the right question? Is this person going to know? Are they going to be the kind of person who's going to go find out if they right. don't know? I looked up chapter and verse for this employee because I wanted to be confident that if I yeah. said yes you can do 10,000 more this year that he wasn't going to get in trouble with the IRS yes.
0: yeah okay well this is was really awesome yeah, Thank you for having um, me. yeah so I just want to close out with a couple of things guys um, you can find this podcast hopefully you're already listening to me on Podbean I'm on Apple I'm also on Amazon um, as always you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mama Marketer definitely head over to my Instagram in the next couple of days this is going to be dropping on Black Friday I've got an Another giveaway that I'm planning on doing. Um, I'm partnering with our mutual friend Mickey. She has an online boutique, so I'm gonna be giving away a gift certificate to her boutique. So check that out. I'm trying to do all like friends or local type businesses for this kind of like shopping season. So check that out. Um, and then next week on the show, I have my friend Alicia. Um, she is a like, like, Uh, what do you call it? Not Michelin star, but she has been trained at like a a culinary academy in New York, both her and her husband. And uh, he works as a professional chef here in Wichita. They're getting ready to open up their own uh, business and everything. So she's going to come on and talk to us about entrepreneurship in that realm and hopefully give me some cooking tips. So um, tune in to that next week. All right, guys. Bye.